Hi, this is Mordechai Fleischer, and I am pleased to bring you the second installment of my podcast as part of the Denver Community Kollel's Mile High Torah. And this is the second podcast in the series of exploring the sins that are discussed in the Torah, trying to get a deeper understanding of these sins. So as we proceed from our previous discussion about the sin, uh, I put that in quotes, quote-unquote, the sin of the earth and failing to produce trees that taste like the fruit that they will produce, we move on to another area of an inanimate object uh, committing a quote-unquote sin, and that is the famous story of the moon and the sun. The Torah tells us that Hashem created the two great luminaries, the sun and the moon, and uh, this seems to indicate that they were of equal size. They were the two great luminaries. And then later on, the verse says, the greater one is the sun, and the smaller one is the moon, which seems to indicate that the moon is smaller, which, as we see it today, indeed it is. And so, uh, Chazal tell us, famously discussed in the Gemara in Chulin, Dav Samach, of a very interesting story, that the moon came to Hashem and said, uh, We cannot have two kings ruling with one crown. And on the surface, this seems to be a statement by the moon that you cannot have two kings ruling a nation, or in this case, two two kings of equal size and stature ruling the skies in the context of the sun and the moon being of equal size and stature. And Hashem sees this statement by the moon as an attempt to of the moon to promote itself as being the greater of the two. And Hashem, seeing through the ruse of the moon, says, Go and make yourself smaller, since you are putting forth a correct argument, and you uh, say that two kings cannot serve with one crown. So, uh, you're right. So you should go ahead and make yourself smaller. And on a very basic level, there's an important lesson over here, of course, and that is that sometimes people make arguments in terms of power sharing and things like that, which on the surface seem to be very logical and salient and proper arguments, but on a deeper level, the individual is simply looking to promote himself and to seize greater power. Uh, But once again, we need to look into this on a a deeper level, because as we discussed in the previous podcast, uh, luminaries, inanimate objects, are not capable of sinning. And so if this took place, if this conversation took place, uh, and of course, the moon does not talk either, even if you believe in the man in the moon, but the moon itself does not talk, and the sun, uh, in this case, kept quiet. What it means is that the malach, the angel, the spiritual power uh, that is behind the moon, had this conversation with Hashem, and this was the result. So, as we discussed last time, that since they do not have free choice, the approach that we always take with these kinds of things is that Hashem put this conversation into creation and into existence. Hashem wanted this process to happen in order to teach us a lesson. And so we have to figure out what is the depth of this conversation and what is the lesson that is coming to teach us. Now, in truth, there is a much lengthier discussion that goes on per the Gemara's discussion in Tractate Chulin. And the moon initially said to Hashem, I put forth a valid argument. And because I put forth a valid argument, therefore I should suffer. And so the Gemara says that Hashem tried various ways of appeasing, of being Mephias, of appeasing the moon. And Hashem said that you will uh, rule by day as well as by night, because you can see the moon by day. 
the sun only rules by day, and the moon was not happy with that. Hashem put forth some other uh, attempts at appeasing the moon, but the moon was not happy. And finally, Hashem said to the moon that, uh, you're right, bring a carbon, bring a sacrifice on my behalf to atone for my error in making the moon smaller. And this sacrifice says the Gemara, it cites Rosh Lakish, that the, there's a chatas, there's a sin offering that is brought on Rosh Chodesh, a special sin offering brought on Rosh Chodesh, and that sin offering is meant to atone for God himself, for God's quote-unquote error or sin or mistake in making the moon smaller. So this makes life even more puzzling. What exactly is the conversation over here? The moon put forth an argument. Hashem took this as an argument that the moon is trying to promote itself, and so Hashem told the moon, you're right, but make yourself smaller. The moon then plays innocent and says, well, I made a correct argument, why should I suffer? And Hashem says, okay, you have a good point, and Hashem tries to appease the moon, and ultimately uh, Hashem, after failing to appease the moon, says, bring a sacrifice to atone for me on Rosh Chodesh of all times. Now, of course, you can immediately see the connection between because Rosh Chodesh always marks the start of a new moon, but what in the world is going on over here? Uh, who was right? Who was wrong? It seems like the moon is at the same time right and wrong. It seems like Hashem is at the same time right and wrong. I will share with you a brief anecdote. Many years ago, at my brother's, uh, after my brother got married, at one of the Sheva Brachas, the celebrations following the wedding, my uncle got up and mentioned this passage in the Talmud. Uh, he studies Dafyomi, and Dafyomi had recently studied this particular page, and he pointed out a message and a lesson for my brother, uh, for a husband in a marriage, and that is that sometimes even when you are right, you're still wrong. And so he said, in this case, uh, we, we could take a lesson that even if you're right, you could still be wrong. And that's a lesson for a marriage. But if we want to take a, a deeper approach, let's try to examine and explore what is going on over here to take a very, a very um, relevant lesson out of this for our lives. The approach I'm going to present you is largely based on the uh, teachings of Rabbi Moshe Shapiro Zetzal, uh, the great thinker and Torah scholar who passed away several years ago. And here is the basic approach that he takes. He says as follows. Uh, in truth, the idea of a crown, we have to understand what is the idea of a crown that we're talking about over here. The moon says that you cannot have two kings that are both using, that are both uh, using or ruling with one crown. What's that idea? What does it mean, one crown? So, the idea of a crown is as follows. A crown is a reflection of the fact that a person is a king. A king wears a crown. And the crown is the symbol, the symbolism of the fact that a person is a king. But a crown, in order to rule, you need two things. You need someone who is a ruler, but to be a true melech, to be a true king, you need a, a, a nation. You need people who are under your rule, and who not only are under your rule, but actually accept your rule. The relationship between a king and his nation and his people is a two-way street. The king becomes king because the nation accepts his rulership. We have this idea very much on Rosh Hashanah. When we proclaim God as king, and by us proclaiming him as king, he becomes king. Okay, king requires people to accept his rulership. And once the people accept his rulership, then the, then the individual, then the, the person is able to become king and is able to rule over them and provide for them. And so it needs a two-way street. You have to have the individual who is ready to provide for the people and you have to have the people who are interested in receiving what the king has to offer and to accept his rulership, his kingship, his monarchy over themselves. 
it thus emerges that really in reality, whenever we talk about a melech, a king, we're talking about two elements, the giver and the receiver, the nosein and the mekabel. The giver is the king, the mekabel, the, reci- the receiver, the recipients, are the nation who are willing to accept, to be mekabel, to receive what this king has to offer and to accept him as a ruler. And thus the crown, in fact, really does require two parties for the crown to work. And when the two parties are perfectly aligned in this mission of creating a kingdom through the nation accepting the rulership of the king, and the king willing to give everything he has to offer to his people, so then you have a crown that in fact is created through the unity, the bonding, the perfect alignment of two distinct parties. This is where you have the crown. So a crown really is a manifestation of a relationship of of a perfect alignment and of a willingness by the two parties to line up one of them to give, one of them to receive, and the crown emerges from between those two parties together. So in fact, in reality, the moon's argument really was wrong. The moon is saying we cannot have two rulers ruling together with one crown. That's not true. If one of them is a giver and one of them is a recipient, and they come together, then you are able to have a perfect kingdom, and the crown actually rests upon the two of them together. It emerges from both. When we examine the the sun and the moon, so a lot of people, when they study this passage, and they say that originally the moon was just as big as the sun, they envision in their mind two suns sitting in the sky, one by day, one by night. But many sources say that this is not the case. The moon, today, reflects the light of the sun. But that reflection is imperfect, it's not a full reflection, plus the moon waxes and wanes, so only parts of the moon are exposed to the sun's light, or reflect the sun's light to earth. Um, so the moon both waxes and wanes, and it is not a full reflection of the sun's light. However, before this whole process took place, the moon fully and completely reflected the light of the sun. Uh, if you take a flashlight and you shine it upon a mirror, if the mirror is perfectly shiny uh, and you use a laser-type instrument so that none of the light is diffused as it reflects off of the mirror, you will get just as much light bouncing off the mirror as you will emerging from the laser flashlight. Because it reflects everything that the laser flashlight is offering, is giving, is putting forth, is being reflected perfectly by the mirror. And the moon is meant to reflect the sun's light perfectly, exactly, precisely. Every little bit of light that the sun gives was was reflected originally by the moon. And this is really the classic setup of a giver and a receiver, of a nosein and a mekabel. The sun is the nosein, it's the giver, and the moon is the mekabel, is the recipient. And the moon receives and reflects the light of the sun perfectly. That's what was happening earlier. And if the moon would have realized this, again, we're talking about not that moons have to make choices or realize things, but that Hashem put this reality into place so that we can learn a lesson, and that's the context that we're talking about. If the moon, quote-unquote, realizes that this is the relationship, then the moon never makes a claim in the first place. However, the moon looks at itself and says, am I only supposed to exist as nothing more than a mirror to reflect the sun's light? That's all I am. Nothing more than that. I have no identity of self beyond just reflecting the light of the sun. That's it. Nothing more. Uh, The moon is not interested in that. The moon says 
that I am supposed to have my own identity. I'm supposed to do my own thing to some degree. I'm not ready, I'm not prepared to fully negate myself and give up everything that I could possibly be on my own just in order to reflect the sun's light. And thus, because the moon does not want to line up perfectly with the sun, the moon is not willing to reflect everything the sun has to offer, the moon puts forth an argument that once you have two parties that are not willing to connect fully to each other in order to create this wonderful bond of kingship by sharing the crown, not just sharing, by creating the crown together, so the moon says then, you have a problem. You can't have two, ruler, two rulers sharing the same crown. If each ruler has his own agenda and his own interests and his own ego over here, then it's not going to work. And Hashem says to the moon, you're absolutely correct. You're right. To the extent that you feel that you are meant to exist in your own right and have your own identity and not just reflect the light and greatness of the sun, then you are indeed correct. You can't both share the same crown. Go make yourself smaller. What is that response? It's not just like a punishment and a consequence. Oh, I see that you want to uh, aggrandize yourself. You want to promote yourself. You want to seize more power. So we'll do the opposite. We'll make you smaller. There's a very, very deep lesson over here that Hashem is giving the moon. And that is, Hashem is telling the moon, you missed the boat. You're not meant to exist as a great being on your own. Your entire purpose is to receive, is to reflect. Um, your, Your purpose is not to be a giver as much as a a receiver who will then reflect and your giving is a product of your ability to receive and to negate yourself. You will become a giver if you realize that by negating yourself, by completely giving up your own identity and aligning perfectly with the sun, you will reflect every drop of the sun's light and ultimately you will become the giver of the sun's light through that reflection. So you're right, it's not coming from you, but ultimately you serve an enormous purpose by being the mirror that will reflect the sun's light. You will receive it and then reflect it. Your willingness to become only a recipient uh, ultimately makes you into a giver that you cannot possibly be without it. And because the moon cannot realize this, because the moon does not get this idea across to itself, so Hashem says, you have, we have no choice, you have to make yourself smaller. In other words, if you can't recognize your place on your own, I'll have to put you in your place. I'll have to make you smaller so that you realize that you're not meant to be the same as the sun. You're not meant to be the mashpia, the nosing, the giver, but rather you're meant to be on the receiving end and the way for you, the moon, to realize that is by making you smaller. When you are smaller, you will actually see and experience the fact that uh, your role is not to be the giver like the sun, but rather to be the recipient and the reflection, which is what the moon is. Had the moon realized its place without this, then it wouldn't have been necessary to make it smaller. It would have realized it on its own. But because the moon went ahead and didn't, and the moon seeing its size as being equal to the sun and having a role of giving the same light, ultimately giving the same light as the sun, the moon had a problem. If we're both the same size, why can't I play the same role as the sun in being the giver and not just the reflector? And again, Hashem said, if you can't get that across, by being in your current size and station, will have to put you in your place and make you smaller so that it's very clear that this is your role. This reality, this reality is actually reflected in our world all the time. We have this kind of situation all the time where you have people who are the givers and you have other people who need to accomplish and achieve through the process of negating themselves. And the problem is that very often people have a hard time doing this. Because even though they can achieve very great things, uh, 
uh, if you have two people, person A and person B, and person A is the one producing and coming up with the ideas and, and, and is the powerhouse of, of, of creativity that, that can make great things happen. And person B is the one who's going to take those ideas and flush them out and get all the nuts and bolts done and put everything into place so that this great, wonderful idea becomes a reality. The problem is person B feels left out. Because person B is just laboring away in obscurity, while person A is the one coming up with all the great ideas. Really, really, the, the reality of the wonderfulness that comes out from person A's creativity only happens because person B brought it into reality, was able to develop it and to reflect it, so to speak, into the world for everyone else. But person B has a problem, because person B says, but what credit do I get? All I'm doing is wor- working for person A. I don't want to do that. I want to be my own person. I want to, I want to express my own stuff. The problem is if everyone's busy just expressing their own stuff and there's no one to actually develop the ideas so that it never ends, nothing ever ends up happening. You need both sides. You need the notion of the giver and you need the recipient to reflect and to develop and to bring it out into reality. You need both sides. But the, but the tendency of people to, to want to express themselves on their own as independent, rather than, as independent entities, rather than negating themselves to the no-sane is a challenge that all of humanity has. And ultimately it goes back to the sun and the moon. And the next step where we have it is really between God and humanity. Hashem and, and Adam and Chava. Adam and Eve. Because Hashem, in a sense, is the giver. He's the no-sane. He's the one who gives everything to us. And we are supposed to reflect that godliness in the world. And truth be told, before Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge, of good and evil, so Adam and Eve uh, fully reflected Hashem's greatness into the world by negating themselves. They were they existed primarily as, as people of a soul, of a neshama, of spiritual beings. They had a little wisp of a body. Uh, and here, Adam and Eve lived at a level where the angels thought that they themselves were gods. And, and the reason is because they reflected the, they reflected the spiritual greatness that Hashem had to offer to such a large degree that the angels mistook them for gods themselves. But really that's not what their role was. Their role was to reflect Hashem's greatness into the world. And when the snake, when the Nachash came along, he convinced Adam and Eve that they could achieve even more greatness if they themselves would indeed become godlike. As, as the snake tells Eve, tells Chava, you will be like a god to know the difference between good and evil. In other words, on a very basic level, you will have the ability to uh, become godlike and to create on your own. Through your choice, you will be able to create as well. The problem is that Adam and Eve are not meant to break off from God and create on their own. Their process of creation is through receiving and reflecting what Hashem has to offer. That's really their process of giving. It's not to become givers independent of Hashem, but rather to be givers by being the ultimate recipients from Hashem. By being the ultimate recipient and by negating themselves to Hashem and Hashem's will, that is what makes them the ultimate givers in creation. And by eating from the tree of good and knowledge, they broke away from that. Much like the moon. And what happened to Adam and Eve after they ate from the tree? They became much smaller. They became much smaller. Just like the moon. In other words, when you make that mistake of thinking that if I become independent, then I'll be great. Then I'll be able to accomplish what I can really accomplish. No, no, no. That is the greatest error you can achieve. What happens when you try to break away and become independent and do your own thing instead of entering the relationship properly and lining up properly 
in such a way that all parties can work perfectly in tandem with each other and achieve true greatness as a team, working together, sharing one crown, when, when the parties move apart from each other, what ends up happening is smallness. Instead of, instead of having something greater, you end up with something less, with something worse, with a toned down version. Because, because you don't become greater by, by breaking away, you become smaller. And when the person becomes smaller, that's when he realizes, whoops, I made a big mistake. I thought I could become great by becoming independent, but now I see, in fact, that this was not my role. And so the, Adam and Eve, Adam and Chava, the, the consequence of their sin was that by eating from the tree, by trying to become more independent of God than they were before, the exact opposite happened. They became smaller. They, they were put in their place. They, they were made to realize that if they're not lining up perfectly with God, then they're going to lose out. There's a lot more to talk about in the context of Rosh Chodesh over here. Let's let's talk for a few moments about the sacrifice, about the offering, okay, of this of the of Rosh Chodesh. So the moon says to God, uh, I, "I made a valid argument, and 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 I have to get small. I have I suffer because of that." And Hashem tries all different ways to appease it. None of them work. And ultimately, Hashem says, "Bring a sacrifice on my behalf." So what is this conversation? Here's the deal. As mentioned. The consequence of failing to realize what your proper role is, is that Hashem has no choice but to put you in your place. The moon does not realize that its sole purpose, even though it looks like it's the same as the sun, its sole purpose is not to be a second sun, but rather to share the crown with the sun by being the mikabel, the recipient, the receiver of the light, and the reflector of the light. When the moon fails to realize that, Hashem says, go make yourself smaller. That is the only way for this to happen. In other words, the point Hashem is making to the moon is that inasmuch as you fail to realize that your greatness that you see yourself in now is not meant so that you could break off and be independent, but rather your true greatness is in being the recipient, the receiver, by negating yourself to the sun, if you don't realize that, I have no choice but to make you smaller. The moon's claim, I made a good argument, is only true inasmuch as the moon itself still didn't realize and didn't understand its error. The moon was making a point that Hashem, you created a reality in creation that humanity is going to have this drive to break off and be independent. That is the reality. The, the argument of the moon is just an expression of the reality that Hashem puts into creation that a, an entity, a being, is not going to want to totally submit itself to something else. It's going to want to be independent. A person is going to have a very hard time giving up everything of his or her own identity in order to be nothing more than a mirror for someone else. Even though, even though, by being a mirror, I achieved enormous greatness, but nonetheless, it's very hard. And the moon is making that precise argument. And Hashem says, well, we have to make you smaller. Because when a person, when any being cannot make that submission, cannot go through that process of negating themselves, the only option left is to make itself smaller. But the moon has a problem with this. The moon says, this is the reality. The reality in creation is that an independent, that a, a separate body, a separate entity, in my case, the moon, but, but, but that reality being planted into creation and being expressed through humanity later on, that is the reality. And I'm making a true argument and a true point. So why do I have to make myself smaller? So Hashem says, you're making a fair point. In other words, that is a reality in creation. And the consequence of that reality is that you have no choice but to be made smaller and be put into your place. But Hashem's pious, Hashem's appeasement of the moon is, there's an approach in creation whereby a person 
can go through the process of negation. And despite a person's smallness, the person can still achieve greatness. And that is a sacrifice. The idea of a sacrifice is the idea of taking the lower world, the world that receives. We talked about in the last podcast that the earth is far away from Hashem, but the earth receives everything and develops it and brings it out. Uh, and really, that's very similar to the moon. The moon receives it and reflects it. The earth takes what it's given and it develops it and it puts forth something greater than it had before. And when we talk about a carbon, a sacrifice, we are taking a part of the earth, we're taking a part of the physical world, be it an animal, be it uh, grain, flour, be it wine or water, we're taking different parts of the physical world and we are bringing forth something much greater by reconnecting it, by connecting it to spirituality. When you put an animal up upon the altar as a sacrifice, as a carbon, you are taking that physical thing and you are bringing out its spiritual potential. You're bringing forth something much greater through destroying it, by putting it on the altar, by burning it, by negating it, by taking what seems to be a wonderful, uh, healthy cow and you slaughter it and you chop it up and you burn it on the altar and you say this is an act of destruction. No, no, no. It's not an act of destruction at all. It's an act of bringing forth the spiritual potential and content by offering it up to God, by giving it back to Hashem, by reconnecting a physical entity back to its spiritual root, a much, much greater reality is reflected in the world, that this world does not exist just as an, as an ends unto itself, but rather it exists to, to reflect Hashem's greatness. And every sacrifice that is brought reflects that. So what Hashem is telling the moon is that, you're right, it's not fair, you have to make yourself smaller. But what happens when you make yourself smaller is that you're able to now begin a process of truly reflecting what you're supposed to reflect. Until you make yourself smaller, you're not going to realize that. The same way there's a reality in creation that people are have a hard time totally negating themselves, and the only way to work around that is to make the person smaller. When the person refuses to totally negate himself or herself, the only, uh, the only solution is to put that person in his or her place to make them smaller. The process, after being made smaller, the process of reconnecting, of building back, of taking the world back to being perfectly lined up between the giver and the receiver, between the Nosen and the Makabal, is expressed through a sacrifice. I'm taking an animal, I'm taking some flour, I'm taking some wine, I'm taking very physical things, and I am reconnecting them, I'm aligning them, I'm submitting them and negating them before Hashem. That is the process. And that is the appeasement. Because the moon says it's not fair. It's not fair. This is the reality in creation. That that creation, the lower part of creation, has a drive to break away from the higher part, which it should be lining up perfectly with, but it doesn't. It has it has a drive to move away. So all you're saying is, well, you have no choice but to make yourself smaller. Okay, but how do I make myself big again? So Hashem says the pious, the appeasement, is you have a way to take yourself back once you've been made small and you start to realize, whoops, I'm not as great as I thought I was, the process of fixing that is by, is by indeed realigning yourself and the world around you back with the giver. And in the case of creation, that's expressed through a sacrifice. Adam and Eve sinned by eating from, from, from the tree of knowledge. They sought to break away and become independent of Hashem to some degree and to be able to become creators and independent beings on their own and it blew up in their faces horribly, and instead they become very small, the way to bring that back is through a Beis HaMikdash, through sacrifices. And so on Rosh Chodesh, which is the day when the moon renews itself, 
it starts again. The moon gets smaller and smaller, and then on Rosh Chodesh, the moon is totally gone, and now it can begin the process of rebuilding itself again. The process of rebuilding of the moon growing back, uh, as we say in Kiddush Levana, we say the special prayers after Rosh Chodesh when the new moon appears in the sky, one of the things we pray for is that Hashem should once again uh, restore the, the moon to its full size. Because every Rosh Chodesh, we see the opportunity of rebuilding back to where we as humans were. And we see that through the moon. Every month the moon has a, what we'll call it a new opportunity to grow again. And if Mashiach, if, if Mashiach would arrive during a, a particular month, then the moon indeed would not shrink, but rather it would keep growing and growing until it's full size. So every month, every Rosh Chodesh is the opportunity to rebuild back to full size again. The moon starts growing and rebuilding back again. And we recognize that that process occurs through a sacrifice. And so the sin offering, so to speak, Hashem says, you're right, I put a shortcoming into the world. And in a sense, there's an atonement for that. In other words, there's a process of fixing that shortcoming. Hashem did it deliberately, because Hashem wants us to fix that shortcoming. Had Adam and Eve not eaten from the tree, so then they would have had a much easier time by totally negating themselves right off the bat and not eating from the tree, then that shortcoming would have been fixed immediately. Instead, they ate from the tree. They had to become small in order to realize that they can't break off and be independent. And now we have a much, much more difficult task of building ourselves back up again through negation, but from a much lower, a much smaller state of post-sin uh, of the Garden of Eden. And so every month, we bring a carbon, a sacrifice, a sin offering on behalf of Hashem. In a sense, it's a recognition by Hashem, yes, I put this shortcoming into creation. But the way to fix it is through the work of sacrifices. It's by sacrificing yourself, it's by giving yourself up, by negating yourself to Hashem, that is how you are able to rectify, and I'm giving you this process. Bring an atonement for me. Yes, I put this shortcoming into creation, but the atonement, the fix-up, the way to fix that up is through the work of sacrifices. Just to conclude with one final very beautiful thought from Rav Moshe Shapiro's Zetzal, he points out that there is one time when we get to see actually a physical manifestation of the sun and the moon aligning perfectly, and that is during a solar eclipse. We had one a few years ago, and anyone who merited to see it was surely as odd as I was to see them line up perfectly. And when they line up perfectly, says Rabbi Shapiro, um, you don't see any light except for a rim of light around the two celestial bodies. And it's essentially a crown. And in fact, in English, uh, that crown, that rim of light around the two is called a corona. I know the word corona is taboo these days, but the word corona means a crown. And so, says Rabbi Shapiro, Hashem actually gives us a manifestation of the crown of two celestial bodies, the sun and the moon, sharing a crown together when they are indeed perfectly lined up with each other. Now, it does cast darkness on our world because our world is not one that we live in of perfect alignment, but we do see this idea of perfect alignment occurring on occasion in creation with the crown that the two of them share. I hope you enjoyed this this discussion, and stay tuned for future podcasts.